0: like to welcome you special. Uh, We have little visitors cards. If you didn't get one, the ushers can give you one if you'd fill that out. We would sure like to be able to text you next week or maybe call you and tell you how thankful we are you're here today. We're excited because we're a church on the move. There's our mission statement over here. We call ourselves the fun church because we're a warm, fun-loving family eager to reach out with God's love and restore all who've lost their way. Everyone matters. We're a hospital of hope and a fire igniting passionate pursuit of true purpose in people's lives. See, a lot of people have purpose, but it ain't the true purpose for their lives. See, God determines that. If you was wondering what all this pink stuff up here is, we have a missionary uh, to Venezuela who's going down there, and they don't have a lot to eat right now in Venezuela. And uh, the things that they're eating may not settle well with their stomach. I don't know what they're going to do with all that, but they're going to try to help some people. I think today is the last day we've been collecting that. We're thinking about, uh, well, we have some means to collect stuff for the uh, floods down in Louisiana. And uh, if you're interested in donating towards that, uh, clothes, uh, what, are, what are we, baby, baby, baby stuff. Diapers, wipes, and we have an avenue to get diapers, wipes, and baby formula down to Louisiana. If you'd like to see my wife, Angie, she's, she'll be handling that. I'm sure she's glad I'm putting something else on her. Uh John Jean brought this to me the other day to give to Angie. It's a mite. <laughs> it's, this is what a, a actual mite looks like. It's probably not as expensive as the chain it's on there. So I thought I'd show you that. Where are we at? Let's pray and uh we'll believe God for some big things, okay? Lord, I'm excited to be here today. I was glad when they said, let us go to your house. I'm glad to be your house. I'm glad that you live on the inside of me and you called me your temple. And Father God, I pray that we would learn to cleanse this temple, to let this temple be holy unto you, that we would learn to love you and love others like you, love lo- like you have loved us. Don't be snickering at me during the prayer. <laughs> Lord Jesus. I thank you we are the fun church, that we can relax and have a good time in your house. Uh, I've never known you to be stuffy towards me. You've always been real with me. And I thank you, Father, that your presence is real here today. And I thank you that you're going to lead us into all truth, that I, we'll have ears to hear. And if there's anybody here today that's not feeling loved, needs more love in their life, <laughs> let's, who am I kidding, Lord? We all need more of your love in our lives. I pray that you'd fill us today. and We'd know without, beyond a shadow of a doubt, how good you are and how much you love us. Reveal yourself today, Lord. Amen. (coughs) Well, if you had three wishes, what would they be? The big house that you've always dreamed of, a Lamborghini, (laughs) a billion dollars, you know, Do I? More wishes. wishes. (laughs) You're trying to beat the system. Those things are good, but don't you think they're just a little bit temporary? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 tells us where it's at. It says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now, how do we know that's the greatest? Who can testify that God's love is the greatest? And how do we know it'll last forever? Because Jesus told us in Revelations 22:13, 13, he said, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, <laughs> the, the first and the last. And he said, you'll never find another love like mine. God is love. And we love him because he first loved us. His love is what's, what this world is desperately in need of. Amen? Let me tell you a secret. Or let me ask you a question. What if I told you that the deepest desire of your heart, the thing that you really want, that you may not even know that you want, the deepest desire of your heart has already been fulfilled, and you may not even know it. There may be a Lamborghini parked out there. (laughs) Just kidding. Today's message, and and I forgot to tell you last week, we've wrapped up our series and started uh, just freewheeling it the last couple weeks. Today's message is entitled, Who'd Love Like That? Who'd Love Like That? That's on your sheet. If you have one of those bulletins, which you should have, and you want to follow along, there's spaces for you to add in, huh? Who'd. H? No. (laughs) Who would love like that? Who'd. I put it in who'd. You know, I do things strange right here. This is Mississippi. Some of these visitors thinking, does he always talk to the people like this? (laughs) Yeah, who'd love like that? Not necessarily me. Years ago, I'm going to give you all a little confession here. While I was married, I'd been married probably about 10 years by that point, I was starting to get a, a stirring in my soul for another another girl. Now I loved Angie and I've always loved Angie, but you know, sometimes a man has gotta do what a man's gotta do. I'm just be, I'm i I'm just being honest with you now. It'd been a long time since I'd done any courting, but you know this dog still knows how to hunt, you know I I, I Took a bath, you know. It wasn't Wednesday, but I took one anyway. <laughs> I, and I shaved, put on my best fancy Sunday go to meet and clothes, even put on some of that smelly water, you know, that ode to the toilet stuff. <laughs> Ran down to the Kroger and got me a dozen roses. I was ready, man. I was excited because this was one, one pretty girl here. And so I wanted to make a good impression. And so as I got to her front door stoop, I was just giddy, and I, and I punched that doorbell, and the door flung open, and there she was. Oh, she was beautiful. She about took my breath away. And as I reached out to grab her hand, guess what happened? <laughs> no, I'll tell you now. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> They're used to me, you know. Leading them on. So as I reached out to touch her hand, Angie pipes up and says, Get her home by nine, Romeo. It's a school night. <laughs> and Kaylee said, My daughter, she said, Oh, Mama, you're just jealous because daddy's taking me to the red lobster. <laughs> Angie loves red lobster. But anyway, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. But today I'd like to say that despite, you know, that and other things that I've done, our house is still filled with love. We, I mean, we have one of the lovingest houses I've ever been in. In fact, my daughter Kaylee and my son Joshua, they can't hardly leave a room without saying love y'all. I mean, it's not like they're going away for two weeks. They're going to the kitchen, you know. And Kaylee, when she says love you, and leaves the room and you don't say it back, she'll come back after you. <laughs> I said love you. <laughs> Won't you? She gets mad if you don't say it. I don't know, you know, if the, that kind of love in our house is the healthy kind of love. I don't know. Maybe it's just saying it because you need to hear it back or, you know, it's a needy kind of love. I don't know. But I do know that Jesus doesn't say I love you a whole bunch in the Bible. I don't see in the New Testament where Jesus is. I love you, love you, love you, brother, love you, sister. I don't see it. But in his actions, everything he does, day after day, he never stops demonstrating that he loves us. Let's talk about his birth, for example. We've already said he was the beginning and the end, you know, the Alpha and Omega. We know his birth in Nazareth wasn't when he first got here. That was just when he was born as a human. He always was, but his birth as a human was one of the most astounding acts of love that I could ever imagine, and maybe you've never thought about it like that. Well, I I see all the things he does and the human interaction, but him being born as a human is an astounding act of love. God became one of us. God put on this clay shell that we live in that was formed out of the dust of the earth he put on one of those in all his glory he put on one of these clay shells and came down here to this sin-filled wicked world to become one of us the bible calls him Emmanuel God with us in Philippians 2 verse 6 it says Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Man, if you had divine privileges, would you be giving those up? He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Of course, we know he remained fully God, but he was fully man. And this may surprise you. He still... Fully man in heaven. Fully God and fully man. He still, he has an immortal body now, but he still has the body of a man. For him to do that, I think we, we hadn't thought that through, that God would become a man. What an incredible sacrifice. Who would love like that? Or as I say, who'd love like that? When I say who'd love like that, you say Jesus. Who'd love like that? Jesus. Who'd love like that? Jesus. Thank you. you got to help me today. I know some of you don't like to respond. If I were to yell fire in the building, you'd sit here and burn before you'd respond. <laughs> but that's why i got the, the amen section over here. These are our youth, by the way. It's not every church that has their youth sit on the front row has their youth singing in the praise team. We've got an awesome youth, by the way. So who'd love like that? That's right, that's right. Because love seeks to identify with the one he loves. And, and if you've never done that, I know people that never identify with what somebody else is going through. They're always thinking about self, but of course we know love is the opposite of self. It's like, What Jesus did is like taking on cancer so that you can identify with a cancer patient, know what they're going through. And you think, well, that's Pastor, that's extreme right there. We don't even like to say that word. Ooh, it's like Mephasla. Mephasla, I can't even get that word out. (laughs) Ooh. But if you think that's extreme, it's not as extreme as the Son of God becoming a man. Forever, for our sakes, to know what we're going through. God left his throne to feel our pain, to identify with our struggles, to know what we're going through, to live it so that he he can't just be giving us platitudes. He can say, I've been there and I've done it. And when you have people come up and say, how could God let this happen and this and this and that? Man, he's been through it. He lost his only son. He knows, he feels your pain. He's been through the things that you've been through. He wants to be our example. And in, in being here, he shows us how to do it, how to live this life. You know, he, he, he operates in the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that we have, and the same authority that he's given us. And he's showing us how to live, how to love, really, because all the power is in love, you understand. Hebrews 4.15 says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet without sin. See, he faced it. He faced us and he, sh- he showed us how to overcome. Because the Bible says we've been made more than overcomers in him who loved us. Who'd love like that? Jesus. You're catching on. Jesus. <laughs> We're going to have a good time today. (laughs) So do you seek to empathize with others? Notice I didn't say sympathize because I found that those two words are not the same. Empathy and sympathy are two totally different, well, not totally different things, but they're, you know, it's easy to have sympathy. Sympathy is when you feel bad for somebody, you pity them, you know. Oh, man, I hate that you go through that. But empathy gets down in the dirt with them empathy moves you to action empathy is something that you do alongside it takes it up a notch you get right in the middle of somebody's struggle with you you remember last year around christmas eve it was either the day before christmas eve and everybody's on vacation you know half the church is gone and and uh everybody's cooking big meals and They're sitting in their lazy boys, and they're relaxing. You know, right at Christmas time, everybody takes a deep breath and takes a day off, generally, hopefully. (laughs) And it's it's a time like, you know, family's over, you got plans, you got to be here, you got to be there. And you just, you take it for granted that everybody's going to take that day off. But you know what? A tornado didn't take that day off last year. A tornado come ripping right through North Mississippi and practically destroyed holly springs mississippi and i was sitting there and i was watching it on tv and i was like oh no what are we gonna do i was like we're supposed to be somewhere this afternoon people are cooking and people we've got angie's been in the kitchen all day she's got food everywhere you know we're all getting together i said man but those people i'm sure they had food cooking too poor folks now their house is destroyed i think people died yeah, I know people died. On well, Christmas Eve, it's not fair, is it? I said, what can we do? So I, I said, well, I'll put up something on Facebook and we'll collect stuff. And I started making a few phone calls. I knew some people. I actually called somebody that was on their way back down there and told them the tornado was coming because I was watching it on the weather. And they didn't go. And thank goodness, uh, they, their house didn't get hit. But they called somebody else whose house did get hit. And it was God Intervention. And uh, so we, well, I knew a couple of people down there, so we arranged it so that we could get uh, whatever they need, clothing and money and, and water bottles and, and toiletries and whatever we could think of to, to gather together. And you may have remembered I put a Facebook uh, post out there, and I came up to the church and I said, I'll be here for a couple, four or five hours waiting on collections and stuff. And like I said, most people were out of town and stuff. There weren't a lot of collections coming in, just one or two. There were some nice I remember Richard and them brought boxes, you know, so that we could put the stuff in. But, you know, I feel bad because real empathy, real love would have went down there and helped people pick up their lives. You know, it, it, I, I look back, it, it's okay that, that I wanted to do something that we, we tried to collect and we did a little something, but what gets you out of your lazy boy? What is it that that touches your heart? Does anything touch your heart enough to get out of your routine, even on a Christmas Eve? That's the kind of love Jesus had. Jesus would have been up out of that chair. I don't care if it was his one day off for the year, and he'd have been down there right away helping people pick up the pieces of their strong lives. And so that is the kind of love we're talking about. Who'd love like that? What if a person doesn't deserve any help? What what if what if they're in a position that they're in because of their own bad choices and their own sin? Jesus will still be there, won't he? It's called mercy. Abraham had that kind of love when when I see that, you know, he was traveling with his nephew Lot, and they were going uh, through the wilderness or whatever, and and God was blessing them, and and pretty soon their flocks and their herds were so big, they couldn't even live together. God's blessing was just on them. And Abraham said, you know, we got to part ways, Lot. He said, Lot, you look whichever way you want to go, you go the direction you want to go, and I'll go the other. He gave him first choice. And so Lot chose to go towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And he ended up living in Sodom. And his says his righteous soul was vexed by what, the things that were going on in Sodom. But he didn't leave. He stayed there. He stayed right in the middle of all that filth. And, and the next thing you know, four kings come to, to uh, battle against Sodom. And they whoop Sodom. And they take off Lot and his family and all his possessions. And they're hauling them off back to their kingdoms. And word comes to Abraham. Hey, they've, they've taken these four kingdoms. They've got together, man. There's, there's thousands of warriors. have got together and, and defeated Sodom, and they've hauled off your nephew Lot. And Abraham, I can imagine him sitting in his lounge chair. and said, man, I told Lot. I told him don't live there. I told him what was going to happen when he stayed there, that it was going to end bad for him. Let me text him and tell him I'm praying for him. <laughs> That's the way we would do Most of us. And when I say these things, I'm talking about me. Because I got a long way to go. I got a long way to go to let the kind of love Jesus has deal with my heart. But what kind of love gets up out of the lazy boy? That's the question today. It's Jesus' kind of love. Another thing, did you notice that he was born in a humble little town? He was born in a humble little stable and placed in a feeding trough for cows called a manger, a dirty little feeding trough. If you were God and you were coming to earth, would that be your, your reservations that you would make? Would that be your travel plans? Would that be the, even on your radar? Or would you come, you know, to the biggest city as, you know, intimidating figure. Hey, would, you, would you come as a baby, helpless, at the mercy of people? You see, Jesus came not to intimidate, not to say, look at me. He came in a way that people would know they could approach him, whether it's the lonely little shepherds out in the fields or the rich magi or the Kings of kingdoms, all can come and approach the Lord Jesus Christ without, you know, thinking he's going to intimidate you or or make you feel unworthy. All are worthy before the Lord. I believe that's why he came as a humble servant. He came as a little baby. He came in the, the, the manger. He made himself of no reputation. Who'd love like that? You're so late today. <laughs> Who'd love like that? Is that, the, is that the Jesus that you know? I'm just throwing out some things. I'm just trying to get you to think, man, we have it made. Somebody who loves us like that. Somebody's sitting out there today, and they're thinking, nobody loves me. <laughs> Somebody's thinking, I got a few people, but mostly I'm alone. And, and you, you don't know that secret desires of your heart have already been fulfilled. Maybe you've been trusting in the wrong things. But I want you to see the, the center of all that God, the God of the universe has done for you. His name is Jesus. Are you approachable in your life? When people come to you... To, Does it have to be a certain class of people that can expect your help? Are you approachable? God help us if we're not. After how approachable Jesus has made himself. You know, we study in the Bible, we see that Jesus lived approximately 33 years here on earth. That's somewhere around 12,000 days. But we see that every day that he lived, Every moment, sometimes it must have seemed like every second he's thinking, oh, every second that he was here, he bore with our pettiness, our selfishness, our ungratefulness. He, I mean, even his own disciples wore his nerves out. In uh, Mark 9, 19, Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How, mo- how long must I put up with you? So, yeah, Jesus got frustrated. How's that make you feel, huh? I'm like, thank goodness, because I get frustrated. I get frustrated with people sometimes. But despite his justified frustration, you know what? He kept on doing good. He would get up the next morning. He would go around doing good and loving people, healing people, setting the captives free. Every day his mercy was new. No matter how frustrated he would get with people. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, Love is patient and kind. And then in verse 7, it says, Love never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. Every circumstance. For everybody. So let's be careful not to write people off just because they get on our nerves. I mean, if that's the case, probably most of us wouldn't have anybody to love on by Halloween, you know. Because everybody's going to get on your nerves at some point. Don't write people off. And, and let me say this, while I'm just throwing stuff out. <laughs> some of you guys, you're always talking about your nerves. <laughs> My nerves can't handle this. Cut that down, my nerves, my nerves. And you work yourself up to a frenzy where everything gets on your nerves. You know what you need to do? Chillax, yeah. Take a deep breath. If you're one of those people that, man, my nerves are frayed. I'm all the time going through life. Relax. Cast your cares on Jesus. He cares for you. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Don't go through life, and and, and, you know, you you usually get what you say. You know, what you say out of your mouth usually becomes a reality in your brain, and then it becomes a reality in your life. And if all you're speaking is, man, my nerves, my nerves, my nerves, and this is is for somebody because it ain't on my notes. It's always about your nerves, your nerves, your nerves. Stop speaking that. Saying I have the peace of God to pass us all, understanding it keeps my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. That's what you need to be speaking. Man, I'm not going to let anything bother me. You know, usually if you're wound so tight, it's because you're holding on to the things of this world, and you think you've got to do the protecting, you've got to do the providing. You've got to make a way, or else it won't happen, but that's not the truth. Jesus says, if you give up your life in this world, you'll find it. In other words, he's the only one in charge. You've got to turn it over to Jesus. He wants you to, to give in to his love, to trust his love. That's what he was talking about. It's impossible to please him without faith. You must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He wants you to rest and relax and to chill out and come to him and say, man, life doesn't have to be so hard. Some of you are working 80 hours a week. Man, if I don't get the bills paid, I don't get to. I understand, I understand we get ourselves in some positions. But it was your nerves that got you in that position in the first place. It was your nerves that told you you had to buy that stuff to be like somebody else to pay those, then made those bills bigger than you can make in 40 hours a week. Oh, I'm preaching real good, and I don't know where it's coming from, but it's for somebody. Let's, let's be honest. I'm not looking at you. I may be talking to everybody in here. Everybody, at some level, needs to chillax, <laughs> That's what this is about today. That's what God wanted me to tell you. I love you. I got you. The Father would say, and he did say in his word, that if I gave you my only son, will I not with that give you everything else you need? Man, you are loved with an everlasting love. His arm is not too short. It can't save you. He has you to the extent that you'll let him. But as long as you hold on, tighter you grip, that checkbook, tighter you grip, that nine millimeter, whatever you think's protecting you. you know, some of you squeezing so hard, you ain't even pulling the trigger. It's pow, 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 you know, <laughs> pow. Some of you packing today, you got guns all in you, you know, down your shirt. No, I hope not. I know the world's crazy, and you feel like you got to do these things. You stop watching CNN, you know. Relax a little bit. God's got this. God's got this. All that was for free. I'm not even charging you for that. I lost my clip. Okay, here it is. It's on my shirt. Oh, so where was we before I interrupted myself? I was going to say, the sun's going to come up again in the morning, and His mercy's going to be new again. And If you made a mistake, so what? Man, a good life requires you make mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, it means you're not, you're not, tr- you're not having faith. You're not trying to do new things. You're scared, and you're holding on and trying to be mistake-free. Well, that's not how courageous life is lived. God is patient with us. Before I got saved, oh my goodness, if you don't know my testimony, I was lost for 32 years before I gave my heart to Jesus at this church here. And he was patient with me. Oh my goodness, the things he bore! And Then, after I got saved, he's still patient. Things that I should have gotten a long time ago, issues in my life, temptations that I still give in to. He's still patient. And the sun every morning, comes right back up, doesn't it? Just showing his faithfulness, his mercy new every day. Hebrews 12.3 says, Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful people. People hating him, hating on him. Then you won't become weary and give up. If you think about Jesus' life, They hated him for no reason. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to push him off a cliff in his own hometown for no reason but for telling the truth. They made up lies about him. His own brothers didn't believe in him at first. They grew up in the house with him, but they didn't believe that he was the Messiah. His closest friends couldn't pray a stinking hour in his time of need. And then, of course, they deserted him left him all alone what was it we were complaining about again and we didn't even got to the cross yet. <laughs> who'd love like that Jesus! <laughs> look love is always going to bring you to a place of decision It's always going to bring you to a a decision that you have to make. It brought Jesus to the garden where he had to make a decision. It brought Adam and Eve to a place of decision. It'll bring you to a place of decision. So some of us begin to avoid love. We don't go to the garden no more. We're afraid what God may ask of us because we're holding on to this life. Remember, if you hold on to this life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for his sake, you'll find it others myself included many times we come down to the altar when the music's just right and and the lights are on you know and i'm getting those holy ghost chill bumps you know and i'm feeling in i'm I'm in the glory cloud and i said oh lord and i start talking like mr ed oh lord (laughs) not my will but thine be done you know how we do And we make these grand promises until the first
1: crack. Wah!
0: Wake up. Until the first crack of that cat of nine tails on our back. Woo! (laughs) And then we have to give up some flesh. And then we, oh, no, 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 no. I tap out. I tap out. (laughs) Right? We tap out when it starts to cost us our flesh. But Jesus, he never tapped out. Jesus didn't tap out. Have you thought about what he went through, and the whole time he could have tapped out, but he didn't tap out? Crack after crack, blow after blow until he laid in a crumpled heap. Left in the dust for dead. His beard yanked out. They spat upon him. They stared at him and laughed and gloated over him. Humiliated him. They slapped him. They exchanged his crown of righteousness, his crown of glory, for a crown of thorns. Isaiah 52, 14 says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured He hardly seemed human. And from his appearance, no one would scarcely know that he was even a man. They had beat him beyond recognition of him as a man. Why? I can imagine the angels, all the angels of heaven in his corner. Looking over the ropes with the towel, ready to throw in the towel. Just give us the word, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Let us throw in the towel. But he wouldn't tap out. Who'd love like that? And then he bore his cross. Our cross. On the way to Calvary. And then when his body could go no further, they summoned a man out of the crowd, Simon the Cyrenian, and made him help carry that cross. Tom, would you get those lights? I want to show a a video real quick, if you don't mind.
1: I was going into the city to celebrate the Passover and he he was being let out of the city as a Passover lamb. But we didn't we didn't understand that. Um, when I got to Jerusalem it wasn't what I expected. I mean, there was like 10 times more people there than the last time that I'd, I'd been there to celebrate Passover, and it just seemed like the whole city was angry, like just, just mobs of angry people. And all of a sudden, this this, this guard, the this soldier, he grabs me, and I mean, he literally just pulls me out of the crowd, and he says, for me to carry this guy's cross. If if this guy's blood gets on me, it stains me, and I, I can't I can't celebrate the Passover. That's the whole reason I was there. It was hard to see the man through the blood. And then our eyes met. and I knew this man was not a liar. He was not a a crazy man with grand ideas. He was, he was the Messiah. I carried um, what I could but he uh, he carried he carried most of it. We we began we began to walk. I, I I heard the insults that that they shouted at him and and now at me. I felt the spit. I felt his his blood on me. They'd taken up a, a crown made of thorns, and then they smashed it on his head, and, and, and blood ran into his eyes. They laid him out on a cross, and they they nailed his hands and his feet to it, and they 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 lifted it up. And he, he, had, he had all of his weight on that one spike through his feet and he would, he would, he would push up with all of his might and, and gasp for a breath to stay alive and I, could, I couldn't watch it. He did that for hours. I couldn't watch it. it and I looked down and I remember I remember seeing my hands. My hands were stained with, with his blood, the, the blood that I thought would would make me unclean. And I realized it's the blood it's the blood that that makes me clean. He breathed his last breath. And he died. And that was a uh, that was the day that I helped Jesus carry that was the day that I helped Jesus carry my cross He hung and died on my cross
0: Will we help Jesus carry the burden? Will we take up our cross each day and love like Jesus loved? Show this world they don't have to die in their sins and trespasses. They don't have to live in such darkness. They can come out into the light. They can know the love and the peace and the joy Who would love like that? Well, they pierced his hands and his feet. And they lifted him up and they taunted him. Come down if you're the son of God. Then we'll believe in you. Come down from there. (laughs) But it was because he was the son of God that he wouldn't come down. That he wouldn't tap out. He merely looked down from his swollen eyes and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because love keeps no record of wrongs and it endures all things. And Jesus, he loves you and me just like that. Despite what you've done, where you've been, how you've acted, how how you got to this point where you're at today, who you've hurt to get here and once we find out about that love, honestly, we should spend all our days figuring out ways to help him carry that burden. All our days, we should be figuring out how can we love someone like that. Because, you know, it's, once that love has transformed you, it's that love that's going to compel you. And it's that same love that's going to transform other people. And they need to know. And you have the words of eternal life. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. It's his blood. It doesn't stain you. It sustains you. It's his blood that doesn't make you defiled. It makes you right with God. It washes you clean. Makes you white as snow. We ought to spend our days thanking God that the grave couldn't hold him and death couldn't stop him. Because now he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's not a high priest that that when he dies, it's over with. He lives forever, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father in a place of authority. And now when the accuser of the brethren comes and says, aha, see what they did? He says, no problem. I got it. I paid for it. When condemnation comes to you and says, oh, you done messed up now, Jesus says, don't listen. I paid for it. I got it. Jesus has got it. When our insecurities, our anxieties, our hang-ups keep us down, keep us from becoming what we were, you know in your heart you were supposed to be something. You know God put it in you. You know that there's more to life. You know that there's something that you're supposed to be doing and all your hang-ups and all your insecurities and you're holding on so tight and you won't let go and you know you're not being what you want to be. But Jesus says, it's all right. It's all right. I'm with you. I got you. My spirit's in your heart. Just bury that old man and walk in the spirit. And watch what we do. We'll soar as wings as eagles. We'll do great and mighty things on this, on this earth, me and you together. He's with you. Then when some silver-tongued devil comes up, did you hear about so-and-so, and they begin to talk about a brother and sister and run them down, then you won't join in with them. You'll say, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) You will cover that person with the same love that covered your sins. See, Jesus is changing us. He's changing this church. One person at a time. He doesn't get in a hurry. I've been saved 19 years and... Believe me, he doesn't get in a hurry. But he does things right. Who would love like that? Thank y'all for helping me. Jesus loves like that. And you know who else loves like that? You do. You should. You can. You see, when Jesus said it is finished... And you said, Lord, come into my heart. That same love that that raised him from the dead, that same love that caused him to go about day by day, second by second loving and healing and, and setting them free and meeting their needs, that same love that you love so much is now shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You Have that same love, that same power, and that same command to go into all the world. Do you think we're just going to sit here at church and think this is it? We're doing God a favor by being here on Sundays? What kind of church would we be? Do do, do you come to church? I'm just trying to help change some mindsets now here. Maybe it's not you. But the church has got to get a hold of this. We are here with a deeper sense of purpose. Sunday morning is just the gas station. It's just where we fill up so that we can go into all the world and do the gospel. We don't just learn about the gospel, study it in the Greek and Hebrew and say, I got it. You ain't got it till you've done it. Till you're doing it. Till you're sharing it. Till that love is flowing out of you. Until Jesus is having his way in you. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. Oh, my goodness. Let him have his way. But you can't hold on. If you hold on to this life, you'll lose it. But if you let go, you'll let God. Well, anyway. Took Kaylee to Red Lobster that night. Before we got in the car, I opened her door for her. I gave her flowers and she got in. She was so pretty. She's such a conversationalist. She's sitting up here today if you hadn't noticed. And uh, on the way to Red Lobster, she had told me about all the people in her fifth grade class. You know, she 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 knew everybody and everything and she was so fun to talk to. She's really got such a, a great personality, and, and so we went into the Red Lobster and we sat down. And I was thinking to myself, you know, she's so mature nowadays. And the lady gave her a kids menu. I said, "Ma'am, can you go get Kaylee a, an adult menu?" I said, I, "You know, I want to show her that I see that she's growing up." Well, the br- lady brought her a menu, and we sat and looked over our menus. Seemed like five, ten minutes. I said, "What do you want, Kaylee?" She goes, "I don't know." I said, "Well, do you like fish?" She goes, "No." Do you like shrimp? Do you like lobster? I don't really like seafood. I said, why do you want to come to Red Lobster? Mostly just to make mom jealous. <laughs> she ordered steak at the Red Lobster. I should know. I ended up eating most of it. Maybe I should have kept her on the kids' menu a little bit longer. But we had a good meal, and we left there, and uh, we went to some little teenager shop, you know, where they make little trinkets and stuff and perfumes and stuff and bought her some stuff, and, and then we went by and got some ice cream. Just, I just really wanted the night to be about her. I wanted her to know how much I loved her and appreciated her and how special she was to me and how I'll never leave her. And I wanted to set the bar real high for any guy that would ever come, you know, wanting her hand one day. And so I just really loved on her and was we pulled up back to the house in the driveway. I pulled out a picture of me and her and I gave her a CD by a guy named Mark Harris and it had this song on it that I had put the, the chorus of one of the songs across the picture that I gave her. And the chorus goes like this. I pray that God would fill your heart with dreams and that faith would give you the courage to dare to do great things. I'm here for you whatever this life brings. So let my love give you roots and help you find your wings. And for just that one moment there, that day, I thought, maybe I can love like Jesus because this really feels good. It really feels good when it ain't about you anymore. You know, when you've made it all about you, you, you're about to implode. But when you, when you get outside, when you've got the most stuff going on in your life and you, and you step out and help somebody else in the midst of your trials and troubles, your stuff just goes away. <laughs> Who'd love like that? And he's up there preparing a place for us even now as we speak. Not just a regular place. It won't be no stable up there when we get to heaven. He's preparing a a mansion for us, not a manger. (laughs) And he can't wait to show you around. He can't wait to to give you rewards for the life that you've lived. for For every time that you got outside of yourself and just gave an ounce of love to somebody else, he can't wait to reward you for that. Man, he's keeping good records. He's on our side and he will always be. And Jesus... Will never tap out on you. So let me tell you a secret. The deepest desire of your heart has already come true. And a lot of us have never even tapped into it. But you can today. You can see Jesus have your way. You're the truth. You're the life. Show me the way. You can let his love rule and reign in your heart. You can can leave here today and say, you know what? I'm going to structure my life in a way that it's not about me anymore. And watch what God will do. I'd I'd rather live in a a shack somewhere in Africa, in a dusty plain somewhere with the love of God than live in in the biggest mansion in America and be consumed with self. So all those things you're holding on to, count the cost of them. They ain't worth it. They ain't worth it. They ain't worth another beat of your heart. You have so much time here on this earth to live. Why don't we make each second count? Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word.